The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about an innovative technology that can help you optimize your marketing campaigns, eye tracking. Joining us again is Mike Bartels, who's the Director of Marketing Research and User Experience at Toby Pro, which helps businesses, researchers, and other professionals gain quality insights into human behavior with world-leading eye tracking hardware, analysis software, and research consultancy services. Yesterday, Mike told us about how the current landscape of eye tracking technology as it applies to marketing works. And today we're going to talk about the future applications of eye tracking technology. Here's our interview with Mike Bartels, Director of Marketing Research and User Experience at Toby Pro. Mike, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. It's good to be back. Great to have you back on the show. And I've had my eye on this episode since yesterday. Get it? No? Is that another pun? It was really bad. I like all eye tracking puns. Okay. You know, there's a reason why this is a marketing podcast, not a comedy podcast. But just to recap some of our conversation from yesterday, we talked about a couple different ways that people are using eye tracking technology, where there's applications outside of marketing, people are using advanced non-touch computing. There's some consumer applications like VR and cars. And then we got into a lot of detail about how people are using eye tracking for marketing research to figure out the effectiveness of their advertising, figuring out what separates their packaging from others, and doing some mobile user experience as well. I want to talk to you about some of the ways that the technology has evolved over the years. What got us to this point and where are we in terms of the life cycle of eye tracking technology? So in terms of the evolution of the technology, as I mentioned last time, I've been doing eye tracking research for close to 15 years now. And I can tell you, when I did my first shopper research study, we were pushing a shopping cart with a giant desktop computer in it, hooked up to a battery with this giant headset with these cameras that kind of sit right in front of your eyes. And the eye tracking headset weighs about five pounds. So we started at a place where you could get accurate eye tracking data, but it was highly obtrusive. And it was very much a stretch to say that we are capturing natural behavior. Fast forward to today. Now, when we're doing a shopper study, we asked the shopper to wear a lightweight pair of eye tracking glasses that pretty much just look like a regular pair of glasses. 
And those will record everything they look at, everything they pick up and turn around in their hand and put in their cart, every sign that they notice, everything that they miss along the way, what the blind spots are. So now we're able to capture this hyper-realistic view of visual attention as the technology has evolved over this period of years. So the first thing that's happened is the technology has just basically become more accessible because it's smaller, right? You don't have to tape a desktop computer to your head to be able to use eye tracking technology. It is simply as small as something like a Google Glass type product. They are eyeglasses. Yeah. I mean, the analogy is that a supercomputer used to fill up an entire room and now it just fills up your pocket and your smartphone. The same kind of thing has happened with eye tracking technology. Both the processing and the size of the cameras that are used have gotten incredibly small, and this has made the process much simpler for both the researchers and the participants who are taking part in these studies. Talk to me about how, outside of the size of the technology, are you able to understand more fidelity? You know, Are you able to understand more accurately how people's eyes are tracking or what the behaviors of people are over time? So the eye tracking accuracy has been fairly consistent for a long time. 20 years ago, you were able to get highly accurate eye tracking data. The difference was you had to be seated in a lab with a chin rest, holding your head still with this large eye tracking contraption in front of you. And the experience itself was far from naturalistic. So it's not actually the accuracy that has gotten appreciably better. It's the ability to collect this data in contexts where it would have been impossible 20 years ago. Today, we do a lot of research in people's homes instead of in laboratories, and that would have been pretty much unthinkable when I first started in eye tracking. Today, we have eye tracking systems that are integrated directly into virtual reality headsets. So we're not only able to track people walking through an actual store and analyze that data, we're able to create a virtual environment and have them do their shop in the virtual environment and analyze what that process is like. It's funny, when you mentioned Coca-Cola yesterday as a user of eye-tracking technology, in my head, I pictured Coca-Cola setting up a grocery store that was a mock grocery store to have people try to find their products or understand them so they can do the research themselves. In reality, you could just slap on a VR headset and walk through a Walmart. Exactly. So you really highlight the three ways that people do those types of tests. Number one is testing people in actual physical stores, which of course is hyper-realistic, but it's difficult to make the kinds of changes that you might want to test. Number two is these mocked up stores where you do have the ability to change the planogram and change the package design and move things around and do a true A versus B test to see which design works best for your product. And then number three is taking that mock store and building it into a digital world and doing the testing digitally, as you said, all in the mind of the shopper at the time. So as you're able to move towards a mobile experience or even a virtual reality experience, I'm assuming that you're taking in a lot more data, right? You're able to collect eye tracking information faster, multiple experiences Tell me about the data collection process. I'm assuming that the cloud computing revolution is having a big impact on the eye tracking industry. Absolutely. I mean, the cloud has made everything much easier than it was several years ago. I can actually remember a day of completing an eye tracking report, burning it to a DVD and putting it in the mail and sending it to a client, which is just incredible to think about now. 
these days, the data is being collected and shot straight up into the cloud where it's downloaded by the analysts and the analysts put it into a report and shoot that straight over to the client. Everything happens lightning fast these days because of the advent of cloud technology. Eye tracking is a very data intensive research tool. An eye tracking system is taking up to even a thousand pictures of your eye every second and then plotting that onto a stimuli or even plotting that onto an HD video that's collected by the eye tracker. So as you can imagine, very quickly you get into the tens and hundreds of gigabytes of data collected and analyzing that data would not be possible without the ability to uh, pass things around on the cloud. So now that we have the ability to put eye tracking technology into people's homes and you could use VR headsets, a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Talk to me about what you see in terms of the future of eye tracking technology. Is it just that it's going to be more widely distributed or are there advancements in the technology that the industry is sort of aware are coming? There are a few different ways that I see eye tracking as a research tool evolving and taking sort of a giant leap forward. As I mentioned before, in the early days of eye tracking, everything you were doing, you were doing in a lab. As technology has changed, we are now able to do these things in natural contexts. I think the third evolution is going to be doing these things at a huge scale. For example, a lot of package design research with eye tracking has traditionally been done by putting your package design into a digital image, projecting it on a wall, and then running an eye tracking study with 50 or 100 people looking at that shelf and trying to locate the product. You can imagine three, four years from now when you have hundreds of thousands of people in the United States with virtual reality headsets in their homes, you're able to beam in a full virtual store and have a thousand data points of people walking through the store with package version A and package version B and evaluating which one is seen more quickly, engaged with more, and put into the shopping cart more often. 
So this idea of going from relatively small sample research to basically big data is very near in the future for us because of the way the technology is evolving. The other side of things is that eye tracking is being integrated more than ever into different types of consumer systems, including laptops, smartphones, potentially automobiles. So rather than having this kind of freestanding system that's collecting eye tracking data, there's the potential that it's just going to be built into the devices and systems that we're already using, which of course makes it even easier to collect that sort of data and analyze on a much larger scale. I mean, I know that the iPhone already has the ability to understand if you're looking at the screen because there's a setting for the newer iPhones that just use your facial recognition to unlock the phone. I think the default is actually you have to be looking at the screen to unlock your phone as opposed to just have your face in front of it. So there are a couple of phones that already have eye detection systems, like what you're describing, where it can tell whether or not your eyes are on the screen. That's another step forward to eye tracking on those phones where you can tell exactly which app the person's looking at it and do the types of UX and usability analysis that we do now with an eye tracking hardware system. One of the things we're also concerned with is the systems that we're creating for research. This is all opt-in research that participants are taking part in willingly and being compensated for. Just to be clear about that, this isn't something where the eye tracking system is collecting data without consent and using it in some kind of analysis that isn't part of the study. I'll be honest, that's totally where my head went when you were talking about virtual reality is people are going to start downloading VR games and there are going to be brands that are building their packaging into those games to do marketing research without the end user necessarily understanding that that's what the purpose of the game is. I do think that there is a, what was the Tom Cruise movie, Vanilla Sky maybe, component where there's advertisements that are recognizing what you're looking at them and they're being served to you. Maybe I have the wrong movie name, but... I think it's Minority Report. Minority Report. Thank you. Uh, Vanilla Sky was basically the same movie with a different advertising spin on it. Right. Whatever. Just a Tom Cruise movies. There's always something with eye tracking. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a privacy component here to understanding what people are actually seeing and what they're engaging with. Is there any sentiment within the industry of how to control that or any ways that marketers, any things that marketers should be aware in terms of best practices for using eye tracking technologies? It's a good question and one that comes up quite often. We have lots of people at Toby Pro thinking through the ethics of these evolutions of the technology. Right now, our systems aren't built into anything that a consumer would be using and unaware of. There are eye trackers built into gaming laptops, for example, and the system itself can be used where basically your eyes are another input for the game. So instead of just having the controller or the mouse, the game is reacting to where you're looking on the screen, which can be a very cool experience and really improve engagement with the game and create a more fun game. The other spot, VR, eye tracking actually has a really practical purpose within VR, something called foveated rendering. So when you have a VR environment, one of the big things that's taxing the processor is the need to draw this entire 360-degree high-fidelity virtual world. But if you have eye tracking built into a VR system, you know where the person's looking. So you only have to create those pixels in high resolution and the rest can be left at a sort of lower resolution without the person in the environment having any idea that that's happening, which is super cool. 
So the bottom line is there are these great benefits for the consumer to having eye tracking integrated into these devices. And the questions about privacy and data security, those are all things that we take very seriously and are thinking through how that's going to evolve along with the technology. Kat, it is a brand new world and the ability to understand what people are actually seeing, where their eyes are going, is just one step to getting you closer to understand what they are actually thinking. Mike, I really appreciate you walking us through how eye tracking technology works, some of the use cases and what we can think about as the industry evolves. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Mike Bartels, Director of Marketing Research and User Experience at Toby Pro for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Mike, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at his company's handle, which is Toby Pro, T-O-B-I-I-P-R-O, or you could visit his company's website, which is tobypro.com. A couple of links in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for all of our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. If you prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks again to Mike Bartels from Toby Pro for joining us. And until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.